Well, we've been kind of cooped up until these last two weeks. Many people are still pretty cooped up. And that's caused a lot, of, a lot of problems in a lot of ways. So I want to talk about one of those problems to start out today. How's everybody in here doing with exercise over the last couple months? <laughs> Mike, down. Nicole, down. Oh, okay, we've got an okay back there. All right, well, I have a little test. We're going to start out today to see how everybody's doing um, with exercise over the last couple months. How many in here think if they had a nice pair of running shoes could go outside right now and, and run a mile without stopping? <laughs> Hold your hand up if you've got a couple. All right, we got, uh, we got a few. Okay, we're going to keep going. Alex, what about you? No? Uh, okay, I think he's not telling the truth. He's training to be a police officer. I think he can run a few miles. But okay, who can run four miles? Anybody can run four miles without stopping? Oh, nobody? Nope, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Mike's really slowing you. Mike's really slowing you down, I see. Wow. All right, Mike, we'll talk about this later. Um, all right, well, if nobody can run four miles in here, then I'm pretty sure nobody can run 40 miles or 45 miles. But in 2007, there were three men who ran over 4,000 miles in 111 days. They ran 40 to 45 miles every day. Anybody know about this story? 40 to 45 miles a day for 111 straight days. Pretty impressive. That's 10 times as far as any of us can run. And they did it for 111 straight days. Well, if you think that's impressive, what's more impressive is they did it across the Sahara Desert. Imagine that, across the Sahara Desert. They ended, ironically, at the Red Sea, the same Red Sea that, that God used Moses to part. As I read the account of this, it kind of reminded me of 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Is anybody familiar with that? Where Paul talks about you know, receiving the lashings and being stoned to death and freezing, being left at sea. I mean, when you read the account of what these guys went through, the, the, uh, you know, obviously they were battling heat, running on the sand. They were severely dehydrated. Some nights they'd have to battle, they'd have uh, burning heat during the day, then they'd be dehydrated at night with freezing, uh, dehydrated during the day, then freezing cold at night. Injuries, illnesses, all these things. And uh, this lasted for 111 days, but they, but they persevered to the end. It reminded me so much of, of Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. It made me think of, of Paul. When I think of people putting themselves through these types of things, I, I, I think, why? Why would someone do that? That's the first thing I think. Why would they run across the Sahara Desert for 111 days? Then I think of how. How did they, how did they endure doing that? And, and we have a text today. Well, first I want to answer that question. So anyway, these guys that, that did this, you know how they, why they did this? The reason why? Because they, they became aware of numerous countries that, that, where people didn't have any fresh water. And they said, well, we don't have the resources to get them the fresh water, but we're all runners and we're all athletes. So maybe if we run across the Sahara Desert 400 or 4,000 miles, maybe somebody will take notice of that. We'll get a spotlight on us and then we can advocate for those people. And that's why they did it. And that's how they persevered. They kept that purpose in mind the entire time. And, and when we look at this text today in 1 Timothy, we see uh, Paul writing to his, uh, who he calls his true son in the faith, Timothy. We see Paul as one. Remember, Paul said, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. Paul endured all those things. Well, don't we have a Savior that we're here to worship today in Jesus Christ who also endured much all the way till the end? So today we have a very powerful text here as Paul writes to Timothy 
to, to tell him how Jesus did it, why and how Jesus did it, why and how Paul did it, and why and how Timothy's going to do it. And I think maybe we can glean something from this that tells us how we can say those words that Paul said at the end where he said, I fought the good fight, I finished the race. Because I don't know about any of you guys, but I've, I've had a little tough time with this coronavirus. I've been, I feel out of whack. We haven't met much the last couple months. Uh, I feel like I'm out of my routine. And uh, so if you're... If you're struggling a little bit, this might be a good message for you because this is a message on how to endure, how to endure when things are difficult and we're all facing difficult times. So before we pray one last time, I wanted to ask you to think about what's your purpose? What's driving you every day? What's taking you to the finish line so that you can say, I fought the good fight, I finished the race. So let us pray. Father in heaven, we come before you today to hear your word. We come before you to worship you and hear your word. So Father, let us cast me aside and come speak through me. Let your Holy Spirit come now and guide the words of, of my mouth so that they're pleasing to you and so that they're edifying to those who hear and that what we leave here today with an with a optimistic, with an excited outlook and, and, a, and, a, and a desire to glorify you and a desire to put the spotlight on you every single day of our lives and help us to remember that when the going gets tough. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, if you want to follow along, we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. So as you're flipping, to, flipping there, I'm going to uh, just give you a brief, brief background of the first 11 verses. Basically, in 1 Timothy, Paul is writing to Timothy, who I said he refers to as his true son in the faith. Paul's telling Timothy to stay in Ephesus because there's men who've been entrusted with pointing the men in Ephesus to Jesus, but they're now not pointing people in that direction. They're now got themselves wrapped up in endless genealogies, Paul says, and they're, they're evaluating all these myths, and they're causing factions and dissensions and fighting. So Paul tells Timothy to stay there. And in this text, he's going to encourage Timothy in how to fight this spiritual battle that he's about to endure. So these are the words that Paul is going to give to Timothy to start out this letter to encourage him in this spiritual battle and how to move forward. So if you're ready at 1 Timothy, we'll start with verse 12. Paul writes to Timothy, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Aren't we all in a state of ignorance and unbelief until we know the Lord? God recognizes that we're in that state. He shows mercy. Verse 14, the grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, Paul said, along with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. Here's a big verse, verse 15. Paul writes, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I'm going to read that again because that's such good news. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Paul adds, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, Paul writes, I was shown mercy so that in me the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him and would receive eternal life. Then Paul just kind of busts out in some worship here. He says, Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. 
And we're not done yet. Verse 18. Timothy, my son, I am giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck in regard to their faith. Back then, a shipwreck was a very, very disastrous deal. It still is today, but we don't hear much about shipwrecks. So when Paul uses shipwreck 2,000 years ago, he's making a big, big deal out of what happened to their faith. It's an absolute, utter disaster. Verse 20, among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, Paul writes, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. Obviously there, Paul is not handing them over for good, he hopes. He's handing them over because Paul admitted, remember earlier in the text in verse 13, Paul admitted he was once a blasphemer. So he's handing them over to Satan in hopes that they'll, they'll repent and turn away. But I want to start this message with, with verse 15 that I pointed out. Christ Jesus came into the world for the purpose of saving sinners. Just like those men ran across the desert so that they could shine a light on the need that people had for water in many of the countries in that area. Christ Jesus came into the world to a group of people, us, who had a need. And he came to save us, to meet that need. And, and we could sit and talk about that, that one little line. We could preach a few sermons probably on this one this one sentence that Paul says. But Paul says, this is a trustworthy saying that needs to be accepted by all. Paul says that five times in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. He uses that same language, a trustworthy saying that deserves acceptance by all people. Now what I believe Paul means by that is this isn't a message for a group of people in Ephesus or a group of people in Omaha, Nebraska. This is a message or a little... Uh, a certain group of people or in a certain time period. He said, this is acceptance by all people for all times. And that message is that Christ Jesus came into the world to save us. Whew. All people of all time, Paul says. He uses that same language five times, and this is the one we will discuss today. He, even if you break that in half, look at the first part. He came into the world. You're like, yeah, well, I know. I've, I've read about that. But have you really let that sink in? That he came into the world. Is there someone that if they walked in this church today, that you would go, wow, he came to see us? You know? How about these kids when, uh, like I, I saw, I think recently on, on the internet, The Rock. You guys know The Rock, the big wrestling guy? He, he goes to, you know, like a lot of famous people do, they walk into hospitals to visit kids, and, and those kids are just, whoa. I mean, their eyes pop out of their head, and they're so happy. I mean, that's how we need to feel. Jesus came from heaven to the earth. He came to the earth. That's just the first part of what Paul's saying here. That's something we really need to seek in. He came from there to here. And then we got that question, why? And Paul answers it. Why did he come? To save sinners. We all know that we're all sinners. He came to save us. Paul says this is good for all people, for all time. Some people doubt that, though, I think. I think... I don't know, does anybody doubt that sometimes, that he came for me? Sometimes I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm too bad of a sinner. I don't think he came for me. Has anybody ever felt that way? I've felt that way before. Sometimes I still do. I think, ah, oh, he couldn't have come for me. I'm, I'm, I feel that way sometimes. But, you know, if, we, if you want to flip your page, if you need to, to 1 Timothy chapter 2, I'm going to read verses 1 through 4 in case anyone doubts what God's wishes are. Paul writes to Timothy in the next chapter of his letter, I urge then, first of all, with petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving, be made for all people. 
for kings and all those in authority like Dewey did this morning, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. That makes God, and then verse 3, this is good and pleases God our Savior. It pleases God when we live peaceful and quiet lives in godliness and holiness. Are we living peaceful and quiet lives in godliness and holiness? So verse 3, again, this is good and pleases God our Savior. And here's what he wants. Verse 4, who wants all people to be saved, all people to be saved, and come to a knowledge of the truth. In this text right here in 1 Timothy, he, he shows us that he backs up what he says with action. Because Paul professes that I am the worst sinner. I was a blasphemer. I, was, I persecuted the church. In fact, we know that Paul murdered or authorized the murder of at least one Christian in Stephen. And yet, he says, God's poured out his grace on me, poured out his faith on me, poured out his love on me, the worst. If he'll, Paul's saying if he'll let me in, if he'll entrust, remember what Paul writes in verse 12, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me into his service. If he'll do that with a guy like Paul, who won't he do that with? God backs up his action, he backs up his words with, with action. And he sent the one, the only one, who had the value to pay for all of our sins. He sent the only one who could resist sin himself. And he, he sent the only one who could endure all the way, even through the desert for 40 days, all the way to the end, where he said, I am, it is finished. Christ Jesus, just let this sink into your heads. He came here, Paul writes, he came here for the purpose of saving sinners. Just let that sink in. That's why he came. That's why he left the perfect confines of heaven. How did he persevere to the end? How did he go through the crucifixion? How did he go through all those things that he went through? He gives us some insight in John chapter 6, verses 38 through 40. Jesus said, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none None of all of those that he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. That was his life's mission, his purpose, to come here, do the Father's will, and save us, save sinners. Hallelujah. Jesus had a purpose. He persevered till the end, and he said, it is finished. But eventually, Jesus was gone. His physical body was gone. And when that happened, Jesus gave man, he gave us, men, women, when I say men, I mean men and women, he gave us a great purpose. Christ came into the world for the purpose of saving sinners. And when he left, he said this, something you're probably all familiar with. Therefore, go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them, teach one another to obey everything, not most things, teach them to obey everything that I have commanded. And I will be with you until the end of the age. Christ Jesus came into the world to save us. And when he left, he entrusted us, as Paul writes here. He entrusted us, appointing, entrusted me, Paul writes, appointing me to his service. Did you know that? That he's entrusted you to carry on what he did? Christ Jesus calls sinful men. 
into his service and entrusts them to do his work. He, he calls sinful men. So if you ever doubt that he's called you, he's called you. He calls sinful men and entrusts. He trusts us to do his work. I love verse 12. Paul, Paul writes perfectly. He writes, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me into his service, even though I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent man. I love that he starts out saying, I thank him. Because that should be our attitudes. It's the greatest honor of our life for him to entrust us with something, with, entrust us to carry on his work. It should be the greatest honor of our lives. God sees things in us that, that we don't see. He saw in a blasphemer, in a persecutor, in a murderer, he saw a man who could take the gospel and carry it forward and his name would still be talked about for 2,000 years. He saw that in this man. Remember when, when God first spoke to Ananias about Paul? He said, I'm sending this man to you, Saul of Tarsus. He's going to be blind and you're, you're going to heal him. And Ananias said, uh, hey, Lord, you know who, you know who that is? Uh, that's Saul of Tarsus. He's the one that's trying to kill us. Remember, he, he was concerned that God had sent the wrong man. He didn't even trust the words of God right off the bat. How about, how about David? Remember when, when Samuel the prophet was sent by God to go get a new king for Israel? And he sent him to the house of Jesse. He said, pick, one of Je you'll pick the son of Jesse's that I tell you, and then he's going to be the new king. So he goes, can you imagine being David? Jesse called seven sons, but he didn't even call David. He left him out to tend to the sheep. He didn't even call. His own father didn't see any potential in him. How about Gideon hiding on a threshing room floor, trying to scrap up some grain as he's, they're hiding from the Midianites in the book of Judges. And, and he's, he's hiding in a, in a kind of a cowardly way, which, you know, we probably would all be hiding if we were being traumatized like they were. But an angel of God shows up and says, calls him a mighty man of valor. Gideon had to be, like, like many of us would think, who, who are you calling a mighty man of valor? Gideon went on to say, I'm from the smallest tribe in Manasseh. I'm from the weakest family, and I'm the weakest member. God said, you're a mighty man of valor. No one is beyond God's choosing. He proves that time and time and time again. Even though I was once a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent man, I was shown mercy. We don't have an excuse. God gives man this purpose before he's even born. In his second letter to Timothy, Paul writes, He has saved us and has called us to a holy life, not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purposes and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of of time before the beginning of time remember what he said to jeremiah when jeremiah was called anybody what he said jeremiah 1 5 before i formed you in the womb i knew you before you were born i set you apart i appointed you as a prophet to the nation he knows us before we're born we're chosen for purposes paul writes in verse 16 here but for that very reason because i was the worst of sinners but for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, Christ might put on display his perfect patience so that others could then believe in him and know that he came for them too. Paul was picked for that very reason, he says. I know a lot of people know Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, but does anybody know Ephesians 2, 10? I kind of always feel like that verse gets hidden behind 2, 8 and 9. But depending on which version of the Bible you have, it says masterpiece, craftsmanship, or handiwork. Those are the ones I can remember. 
But it says, for we, I like masterpiece, because it says, for we are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. Not just Paul, not just these other people. He's talking about you and me. Can you believe as you sit here today that you have a special purpose that God ordained before the beginning of time? Today, earlier, I asked you about what's your purpose in life? What's your purpose? Did you know you had a purpose that God had before you were even born? Christ Jesus calls sinful men like Paul, like us, into his service and entrusts us to do his work. He gives us a, a great purpose. And that purpose is to point at him. Kind of like the men that ran across the desert. They wanted to attract attention to themselves, not for themselves, but so that those who had the ability to get fresh water to those countries might notice and get them their fresh water. They couldn't get fresh water. We can't, there's a lot of things that we can't do. We can't save people. There's no say. I was kidding Chris before the message today as he was singing, All I Have is Christ. At one point I thought I heard him misspeak and say, All I Have is Chris. And, uh, and he said, Sometimes it feels that way. But, uh, but no, we always, have, we always have Christ there with us. And that's, that's the strength that we, that we need. That was really funny this morning. <laughs> that's probably just me mishearing him. But it was funny. Uh, point at him. Just like those guys pointed at the need those people have. That's our purpose. Go forth and make disciples of all nations. Point with every minute of your life at me. We can't save. He can save. So our lives are designed to point at him in everything we do. We're designed to point at him. I, I, like I mentioned earlier, was, remember Davy's sermon of a couple months ago on trophies of grace? Remember that one? How Paul was a trophy of God's grace? We're all supposed to be trophies of God's grace. Shining trophies that the rest of the world can see that, that draws them to Jesus. When they look at us, they ought to think, wow, that guy, I knew him before and now I see him. Or maybe you've been a Christian your whole life. But your life should be a, a trophy that God has forgiven you and, and lit you on fire for him. Radiating. Nobody puts a, a light under a desk. Or what is that one? Uh, under, a under a bushel, yeah forgot about bushels but yeah but yeah we're not supposed to hide that light that's in us it's supposed to radiate from us thanks Dewey and you know I, like I said earlier I, I felt a little off myself these last couple months my routines off I'm not my work routines off um, there's just a lot of changes a lot of things going on we haven't been able to get together you know as a, as a church body and uh, let's see so this week I was I was even kind of struggling to be honest with you this week to usually I'm really excited I'm really motivated I'm really gung-ho to get the, the sermon right. And this week, I was, I was struggling. I'll, I'll just be honest, I was struggling. And when that bulletin came from Kelly on Thursday, I looked at it, and I saw that picture of Michelle Malley that Dewey talked about today. And she pointed me to Christ. When I thought about the story, the time that I met Michelle down in the fellowship hall, I'd met her before, but I actually got to talk to her one day. And Michelle told me that she was a, a 20-year-old, roughly 20-year-old college girl, Maybe some of you have heard this story before, 20 years old, just went over to the Ukraine to, to help out, to do a little missions trip, to get some experience. And she said it was the worst thing she ever saw in her life and she never would go back. That's what she told me. And then she said, she, but she did commit that when I get back to the United States, I'm gonna pray for those kids every day for the rest of my life. And she did, she kept praying and she kept praying. But as she kept praying, she said, God then revealed to me that my prayers weren't enough. He actually wanted me to go. And she said, I argued with him. I said, no, I don't want to go. That's, that's, 
Remember, that's the place I said I'd never go again. Kind of like Jonah. I'm not going to go to Nineveh. God got him swallowed by a whale. Michelle didn't want to get swallowed by a whale, so she, so she went. No, uh, but that, that's, I thought about that story this week. And, and when you see the faith of someone like that, it points you to Christ. When you see that faith in someone else, it pointed me right back to Christ. And I needed that because I've been, I've been struggling the last couple months. So sometimes we struggle, but that's why it's so important that we, that we live our lives where we point people to Christ. Because you never know who around you is struggling. You never know who, who's still in need of Jesus. It's so important that every day we're, to the best of our ability, we're asking God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Because I know when, when Troy walks around the streets with no Holy Spirit, Troy's not the best guy in the world. We'll just put it that way. And even when I have the Holy Spirit, I'm not the best guy in the world, but I am a totally different person. I love others that I normally wouldn't love. I care about others that I wouldn't pay any attention to. So, Christ Jesus calls men like us, men and women like us, into his service and entrusts them into his service. Christ Jesus also doesn't just save us, but Paul writes here, he strengthens us. He doesn't just save us, he strengthens us so that we can point other people to him. You think Paul needed strength to do what he did? Read 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and see what all he went through. And you'll see that Paul needed strength. Paul needed saving. And he says, Christ is the one who saved me and strengthened me. Paul's a little, you know, we should, it's something we have to be on top of every day. Timothy, Paul writes throughout this letter and the second letter to Timothy, he's constantly warning Timothy. He ends 1 Timothy with this. He says, guard what has been entrusted to you. That's after numerous other warnings to Timothy all throughout 1 Timothy. I think Paul's concerned that even Timothy could be led astray. Persevere in purpose. He told Timothy, remember the prophecies that were spoken about you in verse 18? Remember when he said that? Remember the prophecies that were spoken about you? Recall them because they will help you fight the battle well, holding on to the faith. That's why it's so important that we remember the purpose that Jesus passed on to us, that he gave each and every one of us before we were even born. And we know the Bible's full of of verses about how God strengthens us. You know, the famous one, Philippians 4.13, For I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Isaiah 41.10, Don't be afraid, for I am God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you. I mean, we could go on and on and on all day. He didn't just save us, but he also offers strength to us so that we can do what he's designed us to do. Paul needed saving and Paul needed strength. In this text here, we see that we're given Christ's purpose. Christ's purpose, save sinners. Paul says, my purpose was to point people to Christ. He's telling Timothy, don't forget your purpose, Timothy. Those people are going to try to lead you astray with endless genealogies and myths and things that are going to cause problems. But remember, your purpose, Timothy, here, recall the prophecies that were spoken about you long ago. Remember those things because you're going to need to remember because you need to point these people to Christ. They're trying to point people away. You need to point them back. So Jesus' Jesus' purpose to save sinners, our purpose, Timothy's purpose, point sinners to the one who can save them like the runners who pointed people to the need for water in certain countries i asked you at the beginning of your message what is your purpose in life 
Might have, many of you before the message might have said, oh, to be a mother, to be a father, to be a breadwinner, to be this or to be that. I hope this message has made you think a little bit more about that purpose. Because if you don't even know your purpose, how can you, how can you get across the Red Sea? How can you say those words that Paul says in 2 Timothy? I fought the good fight, I finished the race. He knew what he was up against. And this is something I just want to mention again, that we, as people who preach, we don't talk about this enough. It's a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual battle. This isn't just a battle against another man. This is a, we have a purpose that God tells us he gave us before we were born. And there's an enemy out there who the Bible talks about. You have to believe in the enemy. If you're going to believe in God, you have to believe he tells us that we have an enemy, that same enemy who wants to rip us away from him, who wants to stop us from doing that purpose. You're not just out there on your own. Jesus is helping you against an enemy who wants to stop you. Christ's purpose, save sinners. Our purpose, point sinners to the one who can save. I don't know, has anybody in here seen the movie Paul, Apostle of Christ? Anyone seen that movie? Came out a few years ago? Not very many. Well, I really like it if you haven't seen it. There's a scene in the movie that I, it's my favorite scene. It features Luke and Paul. Paul's in prison, and uh, he's, he's been beaten pretty badly. And he's, Luke's there, Luke gets into the prison, and Luke's talking to Paul, and he wants Paul to, um, he wants Paul to write some more letters, give some words out of encouragement to the people. And, and Paul's saying he's not sure if he has anything to, to, to tell the people. Um, he's, he's pretty beaten down. And Luke says these powerful words in the movie. He says this to Paul to encourage him. He says, I never met Christ in the flesh. In the flesh. But when I saw you, Paul, when I saw you preach in Troas, my God, I saw Christ in you. I left my family. I left my friends. I left everything that I had. He left everything that he had to follow Paul. Now, if that conversation really happened, I, I don't know. It's just a movie. But what a word. In a world that everybody wants to be the next great football player, or the next American Idol, or the next voice, or the next great thing, I can't imagine any greater compliment or honor being said to me or being said to you than for someone to come up and say, I see Christ in you. Can you imagine anything better? Someone sees Christ living through you, pointing them to him. As we close today, I want to read you these, these words that I've mentioned several times from Paul in 2 Timothy, where he writes, For I am being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure is near. Paul's about to die. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have pointed everyone I know to Jesus. Remember when he left Ephesus in Acts 20? He said, There's no blood on my hands. I have shared the whole gospel with you. He said, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. Now pay attention to this. Paul writes, but not only me. Not only me who's been shipwrecked and beaten and stoned and all these things. It's not only me. He said, but it's also to all those who have longed for his appearing. It's for me and you too. Sometimes we need to be reminded of that. So what's your purpose? Those three runners wanted to bring fresh water 
to people, something they needed to survive. We can bring something that people need to survive to them too, if we're pointing at the one who can save. Who has God entrusted to you to point him out to?